Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my dear friend, Kiara Winrider. Hi, Kiara. Hey, hey Kathy. I'm so excited to introduce you to his work. If he's new to you, he's one of my favorite um, sources for the path to a um, fulfilled life and a path to self-empowerment and um, personal power, actually, in a lot of ways. So because of the integration of the physical with the spiritual. So Kiara and I met, we're figuring t- oh, at least 10 years ago, um, at, at he was teaching a course at Journeys for Conscious Living, and we right away um, recognized each other's energy. And since then, we've been keeping in touch pretty much all these years, right? Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, Kiara is in Boulder, Colorado right now for... Um, for just a little while um, from India. So he escaped India um, <laughs> for a little while, right? Yeah, it's been two months. Oh, wow. That's so here. cool. Yeah. So so, um, and so he actually is here in Colorado, but, but I want you to know about his beautiful works. I have his old books, which I have several copies of these downstairs in my storage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alahinor, which is a, um, well, this is the year zero. Whoops. Okay. Year zero was the first book that he'll explain. There's a newer version of this, an updated version of this. And then Alahinor is a process that actually is an energetic healing process that was used by, at least locally, by a lot of the people doing the oneness blessings. Um, they were doing using Alahinur at the end of the blessings to bring the energy down into the earth and to help people. So anyway, with that, I'm going to let Kiara um, share a little bit about his journey because um, this his awakening journey is quite interesting and um, quite profound. You'll, you'll hear philosophy, physics, science, um, uh, history, ancient history, you're going to hear all sorts of different um, integrations of knowledge that will help you put everything together for your own enrichment, right? Mm. Mm. Welcome. Okay. So thank you. Thank you, Kathy. So it's, it's really so lovely to be here again in Boulder. I used to live here, for those who may not know me. Uh, many, many years ago, maybe 20 years ago, and then left and I've been back in India and traveling through Turkey and Europe. And it's nice to be back. It's nice to reconnect with the energies around here, Colorado, you know, the front range and the flat irons and just feel the connectedness with with the natural forces of life. So, um, you know, we are at a, at a pivotal time in planetary history. And a lot of who we are uh, is going through immense transformation. So our sense of identity, how we relate to the world around us, how we relate to ourselves, you know, all this is going through significant changes. And it's not always on a conscious level. A lot of things are happening on a subconscious level 
following natural evolutionary cycles. So you know, there's a plan, there's a purpose to all of this. And just because we don't necessarily know how to uh, follow uh, what this is about, uh, doesn't mean that things are not happening so powerfully within us. So if we can find the tools to understand more of what is happening and then to participate in it more fully, that can, that can make things easier. Because I know for a lot of people, it's a chaotic time, emotionally and mentally. You know, who am I? What am I here for? How come I'm going through so much um, you know, emotional chaos right now? Why is my physical body falling apart? Why can't I remember things like I used to? Um, you know, why do I go through these cycles of depression and angst and, um, you know, helplessness and fear? Some, some of it, of course, has to do with the world around us, uh, things that are going on. We are, we are part of a much larger circle of life. And for many people going through the last three years, the, the so-called COVID years, wasn't very easy. But at the same time, I think there's an incubation process. It's like you're forced to look at yourself and be with yourself in new ways and understand that's, it's not just what we tend to see around us, but something that's emerging. So in a way, it's like the caterpillar has had a chance to enter the cocoon. And being inside the cocoon is not so much fun because, you know, you're shut down, you're shut in. You can't see, you can't explore the world like you used to, but it's a preparation. And um, when, when the butterfly emerges, it's like a whole new species and a whole new um, sense of who you are, which has not been there before. So it's part of a developmental process. Uh, we've gone through so many cycles of, of um, um, understanding who we are as a species. Uh, just looking back over the centuries, you know, we've changed so significantly. Our minds, our, our ability to interact with the world around us. Um, you know, even in the last 10, 15, 20 years, you know, technology has taken strides forward. Our response to technology has allowed us to experience different aspects of ourself. Some of it good, some of it maybe not so good. Um, some of it that opens up to paths of freedom, some of it with, with, which um, keeps us trapped in worlds of control and, and uh, manipulation. So all of this, you know, we're struggling to find a place within all this. Um, we're striving to become more conscious of who we are, to discover more of how we can contribute to the world around us. Um, Kathy says part of this group is about evolving new business strategies, business models. What does that mean? You know, so a lot of our um, attitude towards business has always, since Babylonian times been about, you know, um, taking rather than exchanging, uh, rather than giving back. And um, the cycle of life on this planet, the natural cycle of life, is about the exchange of energy. Uh, the Inca, one of the Andean cultures, uh, referred to this as Aini, 
as the reciprocity of life. So the giving and the receiving are part of the same cycle. They're not two separate things. And as you give, the universe provides back in abundance. It's an exponential um, um, exchange. So how do we you know, propose new business models, new relational models, new relationships with the earth herself, understanding this principle of Aini? So part of what I've been uh, studying and uh, exploring is how we are actually moving from a certain paradigm of relating to the earth, to each other, and also to ourselves, to our spirits, uh, transforming that into something that's more um, appropriate to where humanity is moving towards. So the book that Kathy was uh, holding up, um, Year Zero, and then there's another one here, uh, which is an updated version, Gaia Luminous. So here we are, you know, the butterfly symbolizes the emergence of the new earth. It's like the human butterfly. What is the human butterfly? It's as we move from one um, stage of consciousness or development to another, we're actually becoming a new species. You know, the butterfly is a different species from the caterpillar. The genetic makeup is different. Uh, what happens during the cocooning phase is that literally the DNA of the caterpillar uh, becomes like a soup. You know, it just can unravels and then new codes become activated and the DNA starts coming together in new ways. And then you have the butterfly, which looks different, feels different, has a different purpose for its um, um, life than ever before. So as a species, a lot of our identity has been um, based on control, based on um, relating to the earth in a hierarchical fashion, relating to nature in the sense that we demand something, we're taking something without giving back. And in order to make it through this next century, we're going to have to change that if we uh, are not to go extinct. We have to. Um, there's, there's simply too many people uh, taking too much uh, from the earth, much more than the earth can give back um, or sustain. So part of what I feel is that we are preparing for an evolutionary leap. And, um, you know, we can talk about what that means. You know, the, from a metaphysical perspective, there's, a, there's an involutional cycle and an evolutionary cycle. So, you know, in the Hindu tradition, they talk about the, uh, the in-breath and the out-breath of Brahman. So it's, this is the... Um, expression of spirit to create matter and then matter evolving back to a new integration uh, of itself. But um, spirit, whatever definition we use for this, is central to all of this. And that's who we are. And, um, and if we can maintain that connection between the different aspects of our being, all the way from who we are as spirit and soul uh, into 
the mental, emotional, and the etheric aspect of being, which is the life force that we carry into the physical body. There's even a consciousness within the body and nothing to do with the mental idea of the body, but a consciousness that exists, a cellular consciousness that is part of this evolution. So things are changing on a genetic um, level. So when I speak about evolution, I'm not just talking about um, you know, spiritual breakthroughs and enlightenment, but it's actually a biological uh, process. The physical body is changing. And as the physical body changes, it allows us to um, open up to new dimensions of thought, of mind, of spirit that have not existed before. So just like a, a species, any species in evolution, there's biological aspects to it, and then there's um, uh, behavioral aspects to it. There's, uh, there's um, self-reflections. So humans have evolved to where we can reflect upon ourselves. We can see ourselves uh, from a perspective that's not just being in an um, instinctive relation with life around us, but a creative relationship. So, you know, we have been given the power and the privilege of becoming creators. Um, unfortunately, much of what we have created is destruction. And it's time to move beyond that. It's time to understand what creativity really is about. Um, and it's time to take our place as uh, divine creators and to merge the physical aspects, the human aspects, the divine aspects together. And so what does it mean? Okay, so here we are. We've been invited to this earth. We've come from across the galaxies, from zillions of different dimensional um, homes. And here we are, um, along with zillions of other species of life, in this great dance of life. Um, have we really appreciated what that means? Um, have we really opened ourselves to the infinite possibilities um, that exist within us? Uh, many of you have probably read books about the yogis and the masters and the shamans and um, those who have been able to walk at least some of this path, who have been able to open up to new possibilities, uh, and who've tried to share that with the world. Whether we're talking about a specific religious or spiritual tradition, or indigenous traditions, or have developed ways to work with ourselves through our dreams, through meditation practices, through prayer, through listening, to what's around us and within us. Being in nature, developing a relationship to the earth, which is not just about walking on this earth, but recognizing that we're interacting with the living presence in a mother earth as a living presence, as an intelligence that's part of our own intelligence and we are part of her intelligence. Um, I always like to uh, think about the human species uh, in relationship to the earth as her nervous system. So we've been given the task 
of being able to um, connect with galaxies and worlds beyond and connect with the earth, the upper world and the lower world and become a bridge between them, a bridge to other species that exist on this earth, below the earth, around the earth. So many of the spiritual traditions understood this explicitly. Um, their, their attitudes towards uh, the earth were about the cycle of life. You give and you receive in a continuous circle. Uh, you don't take more than you need. Uh, you recognize that all species are connected and have a place. And you honor the circle of life. And uh, you know, so our ancestors understood this. We have sometimes forgotten, uh, although we are remembering, more and more of us are remembering. And as we remember, then the possibility exists that we can become more than we ever understood. Um, this book here, Homo Luminous, it's a companion to Gaia Luminous. Um, it's about the emergence of the new human, the divine human. So the Incas talk about Homo Luminous as this new species that's arising. So just like, you know, we emerge from the caterpillar, go through the cocooning, emerge as the butterfly, so this human species um, is incomplete. And I've, I've learned to understand what that means. There was a time in my life when I was in great um, anger and resistance uh, to what humans were doing on this planet, our role on this planet. I felt like we were here destroying this planet. And uh, I, I just couldn't understand why uh, we could, um, when we've been given such a gift, we're throwing that away and, and destroying all the relationships um, that exist around us. For what? In an illusion. And um, then I understood further out, you know, as I began to develop a relationship with the spirit of the earth, that um, she sees us as just as we would see a child. You know, we don't expect a child to be an adult um, just like that. You know, that, it takes time. It takes uh, going through developmental stages. It takes making mistakes and falling down and getting up again, being supported by the mother, um, learning from our mistakes, and then slowly recognizing that we are part of an ecosystem that's bigger than ourselves. So from this perspective, the human species is incomplete. Um, there's an evolutionary process. Uh, part of this languaging, homo luminous, is about recognizing that the new species of humanity that's emerging, they refer to the divine human, uh, the luminous human. Um, it's biologically different. It has capacities, it has connections that uh, do not necessarily exist now. Maybe for a few people, yes, but not in the collective. So when we're talking about the new species, we're talking about a collective species. We're talking about a collective awakening. So yes, we're going through our own personal development, and that's wonderful. Uh, we're going through spiritual awakenings, enlightenment experiences, and all that's wonderful. 
But more than that, we're preparing for a collective awakening, a collective enlightenment, a, a planetary uh, evolution. Um, and for the first time, perhaps in history, we're given the conditions are right, and we've created enough of a linkage uh, amongst ourselves, between each other, that we can now move to the next level together. You know, I like to think about the transition from the internet, you know, this um, collective mental body that links humanity to the internet, which is about linking humanity through the soul. And once you connect with the soul, it doesn't matter whether it's the human soul or the planetary soul or the galactic soul, the universal soul. These are all um, holographic reflections of the same thing. You know, we are one soul that appears to be um, diversified and expressed through different forms um, in different time zones. Uh, but ultimately, we are outside, we exist outside of linear time. We exist outside of our illusion of space. The self, the one self that moves through all things, does not exist in time and space. And this is what's now coming in and connecting with us in new ways. This is what's guiding us and pushing us to evolve um, in new directions. Uh, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, it's part of our evolutionary process. And uh, many people find that they're resisting this process because the security has, is in the known, um, even though it's not necessarily something they may like, but it's familiar. And therefore, we, we become attached to the known. Um, so part of our journey is in letting go of the known, letting go of what we think we know, think we are, um, think we're capable of. Because, and a lot of that is fraught with um, self-doubt, fears of failure. Um, when there's insecurity, then it leads to either hoarding something, um, putting our dependency in things, objects, money, wealth, um, knowledge even, uh, rather than trusting, trusting the flow of life, trusting that we are part of an abundant and friendly universe. Um, you know, that reminds me of something that was asked of Einstein. Um, what's the most important question for you? And Einstein said, is the universe friendly? You know, so it wasn't about coming up with some ultimate formula, E equals MC square or whatever, is, is the universe friendly? And I think the response to that question determines our ability to evolve. You know, if you're resisting this flow of life, if you see the world through the eyes of a victim, then of course it's not friendly. Of course we're not going to be able to surrender to the new energies that are pouring in, new information that's pouring in. It's a very subtle frequency. It comes in through cosmic rays and gamma rays as we move through new regions of space. Uh, we're going through what's known as a galactic super wave. So 
every 12,000 years or so, there's a pulse of light and information <clears throat> that pours in from the center of a galaxy uh, across the Milky Way. So it affects every single star system. And as it comes through our, our planetary or interplanetary space, the solar system, um, it begins to shift um, energy frequencies uh, for all the planets in our system and the sun itself. And we're going through that time now. So we're receiving information, we're receiving new possibilities, new potentials from the galactic center. Now what this looks like, um, you know, this could be a big discussion in itself. It's not just um, mechanical um, frequencies. You know, there are certainly uh, cosmic rays, galactic cosmic rays, gamma rays that can be measured but it's more than that, it's packets of information, it's uh, potentials, it's activations, that if you're tuned to it, if you're ready to receive it, works within our DNA, within our biologies. There's uh, physical changes, there's genetic changes, which then becomes um, um, genetic uh, or hereditary. So, and you may have noticed that some of the new children that are coming in now, each generation, they have new uh, potentials that are being expressed very naturally. Things that we can do, our children do. What they can't do, their children do. I mean, I, I joke about this sometimes, like in terms of technology, I feel like a dinosaur. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, give this to someone else who's younger than me. They can figure it out. Um, so every generation comes in with new potentials and it becomes second nature to them. Um, right now we're dealing with technology. Uh, soon we'll be dealing with um, other kinds of gifts. You know, we'll be activating the internet, the ability to uh, unleash inner potentials. So we talk about, you know, clairvoyance and clairaudience and clairsentience and teleportation you know, all these things that the X-Men uh, and Harry Potter worlds are about. But this is something that's also beginning to emerge in the collective. People have spiritual experiences. They have Kundalini activations. They have incredible dreams which become lucid. They have spontaneous out-of-body experiences and travel to places uh, they didn't know they have access to. And um, in this uh, medical culture today, uh, where a lot of people have been resuscitated through medical technology, people are also having near-death experiences where they die, literally, they go through a passage, they explore whatever's there, and then come back, and come back with those stories, come back with those recollections, and also come back with a new enthusiasm for life a new passion to serve, uh, a new opening to love, uh, which is part of the soul, but we've forgotten. So collectively and individually now, we're learning to remember, remember who we are. Um, also remember what we're not, because you know we identify so much with the illusion of what we think we are, and it's not really who we are. And we, we hold on to it because we think that's a security. 
And then what happens? Something like COVID comes along and breaks that security, a foundational uh, security. Then we find we can't trust each other. We can't trust the universe. We can't trust ourselves. Whatever decisions we make from in, in these COVID years, you know, it's created so much chaos and division and anxiety and fear. And also, at the same time, it's an opportunity to wake up, to get past the illusion, to recognize the truth. And how do we listen to that truth? How do we discern uh, what is truth? How do we understand that there's an evolutionary process, even with all this, even with things that we consider to be um, deadly or cataclysmic? or fearful. Uh, we can look at political structures around us, question what's happening really? Uh, why? What's going on? Uh, who's in charge? Um, is anyone in charge? <laughs> uh, same thing when you're looking at uh, medical models and economic structures. It's like everything is collapsing. The whole money structure is collapsing. Um, you know, the whole, we talked earlier, about Aini, this, this uh, principle of exchange. And money has become a, a, you know, a, a commodity of exchange, but it's gone out of balance. And in order to return to balance, we must develop a new relationship with money, with money, with the politicians, with um, the earth around us, with the ecological systems of life, with our energy systems, all our energy systems are based on taking from the earth, whether it's petroleum, whether it's minerals, um, and um, not giving back enough, and therefore feeling lack, feeling need, feeling limited, feeling um, uh, somehow victimized, because that's the nature of illusion. So time to get beyond illusion, time to wake up. Um, so this is happening now on spiritual levels, of course. It's happening also on biological levels. So when we're talking about the new species, this is what we're talking about. Uh, a species that's evolved to the point where we're no longer um, living in the illusion of separation, uh, the illusion of duality. Duality is simply about the idea that there's something good and bad. and um, that something out there can hurt us. Um, we move from duality into unity consciousness, where we recognize that the earth is alive, the universe is abundant. Um, we are part of each other. Uh, we don't exist in isolation. We are not separate. And therefore, you know, there's a there's an organism that's bigger than our personal self that is becoming conscious of itself. So we're awakening to ourselves now as a planetary organism, a planetary entity. Our identity is shifting from the personal self to the planetary self. And this is happening um, almost without needing to think about it. It's a, it's a instinctive kind of thing because the old way cannot serve us much longer will lead to our extinction. And nature always has a way. When we get close to um, the edge, the, there's new possibilities that somehow open up. 
well, it's not somehow. There's a there's an intelligence, there's a wisdom that speaks to us. And somehow humans are constructed so that we don't really listen. We're not able to listen until we're pushed right against the wall. Um, you know, therefore, because that's our nature, or at least our inherited nature, we create um, systems that do push us against the wall. We create political structures where we feel pushed to the wall, medical and economic structures where we feel like we've lost our power to control our destiny or to live in justice and uh, equality. So all of that's being challenged, and it's good. You know, even though it seems like it's um, chaotic and um, crazy, it's like, yeah, this is what humanity is calling to itself in order to break out of the illusion, which we otherwise wouldn't have been able to um, recognize. So all this is fine, um, and it's not the end of who we are. So I feel very much that we are going through a period where new potentials are awakening. Um, so, you know, we could talk about mechanical or the mechanics of how this happens. That, that would be great. Um, the, the, the other thing I, I would like to ask is that how do you suggest, um, because you've studied so many different cultures and you've studied the patterns of these cycles so deeply, how do you suggest we stay aware and awake to what's happening, but not be consumed by it? Because there's, um, there's this um, uh, thought form that I need to know about it so I can know what to do. But mm -hmm. in, is that real? Is that important. And the other part of this question is the triggers that all of that news or awareness of the breakdown of, um, of these structures of these systems that aren't performing for the highest good of all. Um, the There's a lot of projection or um, uh, capacity to work on your shadow that we may not have the tools or we may not know that we have the tools to work on that. So there are two, mm. two questions, mm. okay. okay? Well, that's, that's such an important question. And this is the practical aspect of our journey. So, you know, as a psychotherapist, I've been working a lot with what the shadow represents. Mm -hmm. um, we think the shadow has to do with darkness but it also has to do with light so when i say shadow i'm not i'm not talking about a dualistic kind of thinking where something is good and something is bad something is right something is wrong it's mostly you know when the sun shines upon an object it creates a shadow so the presence of a shadow is a reflection of the light you cannot have shadow without light and if you follow the shadow back to the light you recognize uh, an aspect of you that's been forgotten, or that's been denied, or that's been projected, or you know, that hasn't been used to its full potential. So when we talk about the dark shadow, there's collective um, 
conditioning that has shaped us and um, pushed us in certain directions. But we've also shadowed ourselves from a, from a true potential of light. So I know there's a passage from Marianne Williamson, which uh, uh, you might remember. I don't always remember myself, but it's something to do with we are more afraid of our light uh, than of our dark mm -hmm. because it's unfamiliar. We haven't um, allowed ourselves to experience that yet. And meanwhile, we're looking for the approval of people around us. You know, we tend to, the collective tends to, um, instead of rising together, we push each other down to the lowest common denominator. And so therefore we're more comfortable with our darkness than with our light. We, you know, we, we're walking on top of each other to pretend that we're some, somehow above the rest. And that's not how it works. Um, that's part of a collective shadow that's now coming up. You know, it's coming up through all the wars of our generation. It's coming up through all the inequalities and judgments that we project on each other, the blame and victimization that we've created in all of our systems. So we, it's coming up so that we can see it more clearly, recognize it, and once we recognize it, then we have power over it. We're not, we don't have to choose to be a victim. Uh, we can choose to let go. We can choose to create new ways of relating to each other based on beauty and joy and fairness and love, compassion, and um, uh, the golden rule. Okay. But until we see that, we're not going to be able to make a choice. Well, so a lot of, yeah, sorry. So th that's why I wanted to ask because it, it, they've called this whole time period an inverted matrix because yeah. you can't tell the, the truth is interlaced with falsehood. And it's very, you can use your energy, your heart, your gut to try to discern. But that is um, the, I think that's the extra part of the recipe mm -hmm. that whoever created <laughs> this whole thing um, is brilliant because it allows you to then go internal and say, how does that feel? And is this for me or not for me? because we forgot how powerful we are mm. and how anything that we see in our, in our hologram or our perspective is something that we own. We couldn't see it if we didn't have some experience with it, some knowledge of it, some part of it. So could you talk about the healing of that um, the healing when you see war or you see um, um, inhuman behavior, how we work on healing that um, mm. during this time? Mm. I think understanding the big picture is a part of it. So when I when I confront the shadows of this age, whether it's war or unethical business practices, or the desire to destroy the ecosystem, right. um, just, just unthinking attitudes. Um, when I see it in the bigger picture, I see that we are a species in evolution. 
I see that Mother Earth is holding us in unconditional love. This mm -hmm. is what unconditional love really means. Right. You know, she could have kicked us off the planet very quickly, very easily. Yeah. But no, she recognizes, you know, she is a living intelligence, as all beings are. Mm -hmm. And she recognizes that this potential, even with everything that we are doing to the earth right now. And that potential, as it's being nurtured, allows us then to see ourselves in new ways. You know, it's just like a good parent. You know, it's not going to whip somebody or beat someone up or, you know, destroy some someone because they misbehave. You know, it's like you explain, you nurture, you you be learn to be tolerant, and you see that, you know, the behaviors of a, a six-year-old are going to be different from an adult. Right. And um, once you recognize that, okay, there's forgiveness. There's uh, the ability to just hold someone until they're able to see better Perfect. and respond Perfect. better. So I think that is part of it, seeing the big picture, seeing the evolutionary journey, and then being able to make choices. Because as long as we are identified only with pain, then we tend to react with pain. Uh, that's how generational cycles are created. You know, you get hurt as a child, you continue that cycle, you hurt someone else. Um, so part of what I see uh, as Mother Earth's relationship with us is to hold us in a state of unconditional love until we can learn to love Beautiful. through compassion. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. As any good parent would. So, so I want you to know Sugar B wrote, yep, God woke us up for a reason, <laughs> which yeah. is, it's true. We, when we look at things, um, again, as you said, as Einstein asked a very important question that frames everything in your life is, um, is, this, is this a safe place? <laughs> is this a loving place or not? And if you frame it that it is, then you'll be looking for mm -hmm. the proof of that and, and connecting with people. The other thing that I wanted to say um, is that I feel this period's a time that we are um, in training wheels for telepathy. And the more that we clean and clear, either using um, um, ancient uh, indigenous methods or new methods that are being formulated now, the more clean and clear we are, the more we can actually communicate with each other um, and maybe activate more senses even um, in, in our physical vessel so that we can be more harmonious. So mm -hmm. that Lu uh, Womo Luminara, uh, Illuminous, is that right? Illuminous? Homo Luminous. Homo, Homo. Well, um, um, see, yeah. Barbara Marks Hubbard called it Womo Universalis. Yeah. So I always get you guys mixed up. Sorry. Same thing. Yeah, it is, it, it, it is but it isn't. I mean, the, the words, there's so much feeling in this that's a activation and a visceral, physical recognition of the expanded self that shows up that um, is you get little cracks in the 
mm. cracks in the mm. mirror so you can finally see. And that's what you've been on this journey all these years. Um, is that your mission to help us wake up to our divinity? Is that what you, that's what mine is, but mm -hmm. is that what yours exactly. is too? I mean, what, what else? <laughs> Nothing else is meaningful. Nothing else is joyful. Well, well, okay, so another question I wanted to ask. Um, you have studied, uh, you've studied the Egyptian um, literature. I think you've studied Sumerian. You've studied, I know that you've been part of the Turkish culture. You've, of course, you're from India, so you've been part of the ancient Indian culture. You've studied Peruvian, um, the Incas culture. Is there one culture that you feel has more um, guidance for our journey right now than any others that, mm. that you could share? Or is it a, a combination of them all? I think it's a combination. I mean, truth is everywhere. Truth's in everything. Um, I think sometimes it's, we begin with who we are, where we are, the tradition that's familiar um, for us from our own teachings, and then slowly began to expand further and further out, incorporate, include more and more. And then you start going beyond the um, limits of your own tradition and connect with the spirit of life, which is always the same. The essence is always Perfect. the same. And uh, so for me, it's like, okay, it doesn't matter where you start. It's about your willingness to continue to um, move further, move beyond um, any dogmas that we've built for ourselves. Um, so it, for me, the Inca culture, the Peruvian practices for awakening, I like them because it starts with that awareness of Aini, the interactions, the reciprocity of life. And then the energy systems, um, work along, along those those lines. They, do, they don't believe in duality. They don't see things in terms of positive and negative, right and wrong. So their ability to relate to the world is very different. Um, if you go to the Indian traditions, many of them are based in the intrinsic unity behind uh, diversity, behind duality. So again, the focus is on who we are and rather than who we are not. It's on who, what we can create together as one spirit once we recognize that. It's about like recognizing that everything we see out there is essentially in here uh, and a reflection. And we are simply reflectors reflecting back to each other. So once it's an attitude really, it's not so much a system it's not a belief so much as an experience. So wherever you begin, you know, you find your way into deeper experience of truth, into awareness of who you are. Because so look at Jesus. You know, when he says, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. You know, what is he referring to? Is it some personal self? Or is it the principle of all life? I am the the way of um, of uh, Aini and the way that 
leads to wholeness. I am the reciprocity of all things. I am infinity. I am consciousness. That's the truth of life. And then the essence of life can be found every, everywhere, in everything and everyone. You know, so then we don't get into these arguments and wars and conflicts where we're trying to impose a definition of reality on someone else, whether it's through politics, whether it's through religion, whether it's through um, something related to money uh, or belief systems. No, it's like it provides um, the ability to give back somehow because you see that that person over there sitting under a bridge, shivering is part of me. I am that. Um, someone in, in another country that we've declared war upon is part of me. I am that. Mm -hmm. um, so then we start going beyond these ideas of right and wrong. Uh, as Rumi says, you know, yeah. out beyond ideas of right and wrong, there's a field. I'll meet you there. Perfect. And this field is the field of love, it's the field of infinite possibility, it's the field of um, self-awareness and presence, it's the field of divinity. And we are that, you know, we are all aspects of that, even if you've forgotten. So looking at the big picture and um, holding that in our awareness allows us to make new choices um, based on the understanding of this bigger picture. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And, and I do think we are being supported by our um, other um, ancestors that are either in physical, not in physical, um, maybe from other star systems. I do think there is a tremendous amount of support here mm -hmm. if, again, you th feel that it's safe. So, Kiara, what would you say to people that are struggling, though, with releasing the old. The, I, I, I know you and I have a similar um, concept that um, there's some sort of exciting energy about all these changes and we like change. But what would you say for these people that, um, that this change is, um, is, is um, causing them to, um, release their old without, step out into the void, into the unknown, without comfort. Would you, do you have any advice for those people? Because I see that a lot as well, um, where there's either the excitement about, okay, yeah. Yeah. go for it, jump off the bridge. I know I'm taken care of. I know I've got support team um, versus the ones that don't feel that they have any support. Right, right. Well, you said that we like change. Yeah, it's you and I do. I don't think we really like change. I think oh. we want to be stuck in a world that's limited just because it's familiar. Oh. Familiarity is safety. And so before we are ready to accept change, we need to learn how to trust the unknown, the mystery, the okay. unfamiliar, and be comfortable with that. And with how do you do that, though? See that yeah. we can say those words, mm. but um, I I think it was an incremental change for me that mm. there was the surrender 
to something bigger than my little human um, yeah. sphere of knowledge um, was so liberating and so exciting. And the energy capabilities were um, of creating with the universe opened up, but I'm not sure that a lot of people are, are, are feeling that. And so that's why I asked. Yeah. So a lot of people are beginning to have these spiritual emergencies, um, which is part of the spiritual emergence. You know, and uh -huh. when I talk about spiritual emergencies is, you know, th you feel like things are falling apart. There's all kinds of uncontrollable energy states that your body goes through. You fall sick. Um, you're confronted with a diagnosis that you don't like. Um, you feel like, you know, you just cannot keep your emotional balance anymore. Uh, you feel really stressed by this, by this journey of life. You can't stay in balance because you, you, you've um, begin, begun to contract your state of being uh, in, inside the illusion of um, victimization, you know, you could say. So you started off with the question of, um, is the universe a friendly place? And we've uh, determined that it's not friendly and therefore we'll, we'll protect ourselves and hold on to what we think we know in order to um, keep safe. And then what happens is life comes in you know, it's like it kicks us around. Um, we feel like we've lost something precious. Sometimes it's through it's through loss of someone close to us, a bereavement. Sometimes it's loss of a job. Sometimes it's loss of something that is like a, a, a loss of a sense of security. Whatever that may be, it's often the opening. Because then you enter into this unknown, however much you're struggling at first, until you start seeing the big picture, until you can actually see what's behind what appears to be something tragic, um, something that you've been resisting, and see the gift. Once we see the gift, then our spirit starts to awaken. It's like it's unfortunate that many of us tend to awaken only through um, tragedy or something bad happening to us. But then once we start awakening, we begin to uh, slowly, it's not going to happen instantly, start to experience um, that there's a gift in everything, that we don't need to resist life, the flow of life, that we can actually um, learn to become creators um, rather than passively watching something happen to me or to the world. We actually begin to um, become co-participators, co-creators um, in a way that's positive. Right. And so what happens at this point is that the thinking level of the mind starts to open up. Because thought is one um, way of experiencing the world around us. We, you know, we learn to evaluate the world through the thinking mind, um, and often it's based on logic, it's based on reason, it's based on uh, the past, 
subconscious attitudes. But then after we, you know, as we start to look at the big picture, there's levels of the mind beyond that. So there's higher levels of the mind where you can see that big picture, see that um, what you think is painful or fearful, that there's a purpose behind it, there's a gift uh, behind this. Then you start opening to the more illumined levels of the mind where you can open to telepathy and clairvoyance okay. and so on. You know, you asked earlier about telepathy. And I think um, most people are not ready for that. Right. right. Just because telepathy means that um, there's nothing left to hide. That's right. That... As long as we are masked uh, and not transparent, we cannot allow ourselves to be telepathic. That's so perfect. That's so perfect. Eric Five put discomfort can be a catalyst for positive change. Mm -hmm. And usually in hindsight, we do experience that. Oh my gosh. Um, um, getting a big thing from peaceable white buffalo. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, sorry. Um, I'll change. I'll look at this um, later. Peaceable White Buffalo wrote me a note in the middle of all this. <laughs> okay, so what I wanted to um, read it. No, it's about um, it's about this conversation being on okay. something. So no, it's it's okay. So um, how do I get this off now? Kind of disrupted that. Anyway, it's on for a little bit until I figure it out. Oh, here. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, okay. So, Kiara, I would like um, everyone to also know about your other two books. And I'd like to show the images of the covers for you to speak to it. Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. So, that's the two books on the sides um, Isa, Son of the Sun, and Miran, Daughter of the Moon. So, this has been a fascinating project for me. Um, so, you know, in the Western culture, people have been inspired by Christianity. And what Christianity has meant for us is what the church has, you know, basically allowed us to experience. And there's, you know, for a certain period of history, it was appropriate. But as we've evolved, it's not necessarily what we need at this time. So there's elements of control, there's elements of um, trying to dictate truth to someone else. There's belief systems that create more duality rather than unity. And part of that is the idea that we are still somehow in a hierarchical relationship with God. Uh, so there's, there's ancient manuscripts that are, that are being discovered now uh, from Buddhist and even early Christian traditions, from the Hindu traditions, um, from later Sufi traditions, that go more into um, the, the travels and experiences that Jesus had in India, in Persia, in Tibet, in different parts of the world, what he actually brought back from his travels to Palestine, and what he tried to teach in a very dualistic culture and was therefore crucified for it. Right. And um, then questions come up. Did he really die? What happened? 
did he go back to India? If he spent so much of his time in India in the years between 13 and 30, mm -hmm. where was he? What was he doing? Whom did he study with? Who were his teachers? So uh, it turns out that um, one of his teachers was an immortal yogi named Chetanath as part of a lineage of immortal uh, yogis known as the Nath tradition. And so, you know, it goes back to our ideas of who we are, a relationship between mind, body, and spirit. If our bodies are totally transparent and we recognize that we are simply consciousness, that presence, that recognition starts to transform our cellular structure. And this is something that Egyptian traditions were also known for, the Tibetan tradition, where they talk about taking the rainbow body mm -hmm. and so on. So while he was, so part of the story is that um, Isa, or as Isa as he's known in, in India, came back um, from India to Palestine, went through those three years that are known in the Christian Bible, um, survived, um, and we can go into how that happened and you know the, the different narratives around this went back to India, um, where he married and had children and started lineages and taught people about this taking of the rainbow body. And at the end of his life, both him and his wife, which is Miran, which is the other book, uh, took the rainbow body. The second book, Miran, Daughter of the Moon, is um, also their story, but focused primarily on her journey. So. You know, back in those days, uh, the entire valley of Kashmir, um, there was there was a lot of Jewish communities there also. So along with uh, tribal cultures from the north, the local cultures from all around, there were Jewish tribes that had been relocated from north of the Jordan. So there were all these wars happening. The Assyrians basically... Um, kick them out of their um, settlements in that region. Um, they came over to the valleys of Kashmir and Afghanistan, uh, which, uh, by the way, this region in, um, in the Bible is referred to as the promised land. Oh. So when we talk about Moses leading his people into the promised land, you can. it's interesting to see the same names in the Valley of Kashmir as are named in the Bible. So Miran's lineage was also partly Hebrew and partly um, connected to the tribal people coming in from the Caucasus Mountains, from the Ural Mountains, Ukraine. And it was more of a shamanic culture. So what was important was the relationship with the Great Mother. So, so here we have Isa, um, in his teachings or his relationship with the Advaita teachings from India, which is connected to the father, the Brahman, the the you know the self, which has to do with the beyond, Satchitananda, beyond form, beyond creation, beyond time, beyond space, and then the other side of that is the Great Mother who is in everything, 
she is time and space. She is everywhere in creation. She is a reflection of all things in nature inside yourself. So this relationship with the mother is very different from the relationship with the father. Mm -hmm. And together, you know, they were able to teach how to unify that within yourself, so Shiva and Shakti. This became then the foundation of what's now called Kashmir Shaivism. And ultimately, you know, both of them uh, took their rainbow bodies, or what some people call descension, mm -hmm. uh, ascension. Ascension. <laughs> descension, actually, because it's spirit embodying itself. So it's the involutionary aspect where spirit enters into body, transforming mm -hmm. the biology so we can be living co-creators, which is what an ascended master is right. really about. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's so much there that hasn't been understood. So those two books are about, you know, it's like starting to touch um, some of these teachings. Well, and I'm excited to read them. And I, I apologize, but we're out of time. So we'll have to come back and, and maybe go deeper dive on the books, the new books. And then mm -hmm. you also are already starting to write the third one in that series. So... So maybe we do just a show on the three of them. It, it yeah, could be yeah. really amazing. Yeah. So, Kara, yeah. what's the best way for people to reach you? I I want people to know that this um, this you can really feel Kiara's energy, and you can see if he's your teacher and guide. And uh, but the he is available to do one on ones and um, how and to help you through these changing times so that you can fall in love with life again, right? Mm. Well, well, life can be a reflection of who we are. Yes, perfect. Yeah, so, so my, my website is kiarawindrider.net. Um, you can also just go to Amazon and look for, just type in Kiara Windrider and uh, my books will be there. Um, these um, the four books that Kathy held up, they're being reprinted. Well, two of them are in print for the first time. That's Isa and Iran. And they'll all four be ready. The the ones, the Homo Luminous and Gaia Luminous, they may still be available on Amazon, but there'll be new editions also. So by next month, they should be available. Wonderful. Also check out my YouTube channel, Kiara Windrider. There's a bunch of yeah. Um, interviews and teachings and explorations and meditations. Um, I also have a presence on Facebook. I'm not so much of a social media person. I really am a technological dinosaur. But, um, <laughs> somehow it's like some pieces go up and, you know, there's a blog which has a number of different articles yeah. and thoughts. Um, and I love this process of interaction with people so we can all find a common truth. Um, so I'm also inspired by the work of Sri Aurobindo and the mother in India who are mystics and yogis. There's a community, Auroville, that was inspired by right, right. their teachings. And much of it is about building the new earth and what this new earth consciousness would look like. They talk about the supramental descent where this unified uh, presence of light can actually be brought into the cells of the body. Perfect. So I feel that's our journey now. 
Yes. Yes. And and I'm so excited that um, we get a chance to <clears throat> see a path that is um, usable for us for right now, for this time from your work and, um, and experience the calm and graceful way that the path is a graceful way of emerging into that butterfly. Well, Joseph Campbell talks about following the path with the heart. That's right. Maybe it's Carlos Castaneda, but... All of them do. I mean, there's there's uh, the way of mastery. There's yeah. so many books. It's not just forgiveness. Mm -hmm. It's the path of the heart. And that's the way to um, sacred union here. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you so much, Kara. Uh, we'll have to do this again, of course. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, dear. Love you very much. Well, thank you, so, Kathy. You're just yes. such a wonderful friend. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you, dear. So thank you all for coming and please share this so that other people have access to new ways of thinking about this time and new tools in their toolkit to help them along their way. We're much more powerful than we know. And this is a path to enabling that power with joy and grease, ease and grace, but joy first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you.